0: Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. How are you doing today? Great to see you. You are a vivacious bunch. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors on staff. It's my great privilege to welcome you here this morning and welcome to those of you joining us online. May I make mention of something? Uh, Last week, we experienced some technical difficulties. We are improving our system. May I just say, we are not perfect yet. But we are on our way there, and so just bear with us as we improve our system around here. Her. are really excited for how things are going to be here in the future. If you are a first-time attendee with Victory Life Church, either online or here in person this morning, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And we want to say to you that we would consider it a privilege to join you in your journey towards faith in God and so if you're interested in learning more you can go to our website at vlchurch.com and there is a banner there that says are you new here and may I invite you to click on that banner and it will take you to a prompt or a form to fill out complete that and that'll come straight to me and I will communicate and connect with you sometime this week but we would certainly consider it a privilege uh, as I said to join you uh, in your journey. I also want to make mention of a few things, as you may have already received mail uh, about this event. We are having our VLC annual meeting on February 22nd at 7 p.m. This is a meeting where we just discuss all of the things that have happened uh, within uh, our church in the past year and how we've stewarded. We, we, how we have stewarded God's resources that he has provided for us. And so if you'd like to join us, we'll be meeting on that particular night at 7 p.m. and all the voting details and all of the necessary information that you need to know about is actually on your snail mail that you received uh, in the mail or that you will be receiving in the mail. And so we invite you to check that out. And we look forward to talking that night as a church body about all the things that God has planned for us in 2021 because we anticipate a better 2021 than a 2020, and so we're looking forward to having that meeting. Also want to remind you, if in fact you are relatively new about Victory Life Church, uh, with Victory Life Church, we want to invite you to participate in our Growth Track class. Uh, This is a class that is designed for those of you that are getting acquainted with who we are as a church, and if you want to go deeper and you want to learn more, you think you might want to make a commitment to growing in your faith in Jesus Christ here at Victory Life Church, we invite you to participate in this Growth Track class. Our next Growth Track class will begin Wednesday, February 17th, and it will indeed be in person here on campus or here in our church. We'll meet Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. And to sign up for that, you can go to our website at vlchurch.com. There's a banner right there on our front page, and you'll see it says Growth Track. Click on that and sign up, and we would love to have you in our next growth track class. Uh, If you have come this morning to give to Victory Life Church, we want to say thank you for continuing to give, because as I've mentioned so many times, God has blessed our church in amazing ways over the course of this last year. And So if you want to give via text, you can certainly do that by texting the message VLC 3833 to the number 73256. And you'll be given some prompts to follow. Or if you'd like to go onto our website, you can do that as well. Go to vlchurch.com backslash give. And there's a give here box that you can click on. And that'll take you to some prompts that you can fill out. As well. But if you have come this morning with a good old-fashioned check, my good friend Micah Micah actually put the giving envelopes in your chairs. There should be some there. You can plop your check or your cash in that envelope and then just give it to the ushers on the way out. There's a basket there as you depart from church this morning. But thank you again for giving to Victory Life Church. We're so grateful unto you for doing so. May I ask you to stand in preparation for worship this morning and as we do, let's pray. God in heaven, we come today to declare that you have given our lives as your people purpose and meaning. I love what the apostle Paul said. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't pretend to completely understand that. But what I do know about that is that Paul knew that his purpose was defined by what Christ did for him and what he has done for us And our purpose is not defined by anything that we can do for you. But you are our reason for living. And may you infuse our hearts and minds this morning with clarity about that one singular truth. You are our God. And we have come to declare that that is our life purpose. It's all about living for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's get ready to
1: worship him today. He is God. He is Lord. He's all we're living for. did on the cross. His body was broken and his blood was poured out for you and for me. It's in that that we rejoice today. It's in that that we praise today. It's in that that we remember today. So as we continue to sing this next song, it's called crowns, It talks about our wealth being in the cross and what Christ did on the
0: be seated this morning. Uh, Today we're going to have a time of communion. And as you have seen, as you walked in this morning, you do have communion cups on your seats. And so may I encourage you to go ahead and open those communion cups and get yourself prepared uh, for our time of communing with our Lord today. celebrate this time of communion, as you know, to honor what the Lord Jesus has done on the cross. We celebrate what he did for us, and I love how the Apostle Paul characterizes what he did in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 and following. This is what he spoke to that church in Corinth 2,000 years ago. He said, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul tells us to do this, to remember what Jesus has done for us. So before we take the wafer and the juice this morning, just wanna ask you a few questions. What has God done for you through Jesus Christ? If I gave you the microphone this morning and you could stand up and share your testimony and share your story, about how God has rewritten your life story because of Jesus. What what would you say? Would you say that when God showed up to you that you found complete satisfaction in him? Or would you say that when God revealed himself to you, he removed guilt and shame that you had been struggling with for years? Would you say that maybe God replaced your empty selfish ambitions? with a God-centered lifestyle? Would you say that God was able to heal you maybe from some personal addictions? Yet maybe would you say that when God revealed himself to you, he is the one who removed the bitterness that you had been experiencing in your heart for many, many years. What is it that Jesus has done for you? would you say if you if you had this microphone what would you say i invite you just this morning to take a moment and just hold up your cup and your juice to him close your eyes and silently declare to him your gratitude for what he has done for you take a moment with the lord this morning and then we'll take the wafer and juice together The Apostle Paul says in another book that he wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He said, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. On a large scale, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. This is what he has accomplished by giving his life on the cross. And that is why we have this time of communion with him this morning. So on that note, may I remind you, as Paul said, Jesus took a piece of bread and he said, this is my body given, given for you. Take this and eat it in remembrance of him. Can we take this wafer together? And after they took that piece of bread, they took some juice and he held it up and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Can we take the juice together? Father in heaven, thank you for coming into our lives and showing us who you are. You pursued us first. Even Jesus said, no one comes to God unless God draws them first. You came to each of us. And I love also what Paul says later on in Colossians. He says that once we were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of our behavior, But now he has reconciled us to you, God, by Christ's physical body through death to present us holy in your sight without blemish and free from accusation. Thank you, God, for doing this through Jesus. May you help us as your people to tell this story to the world around us. And it is indeed in Jesus' name that we thank you and pray these things and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Can we just sing that chorus one more time? Oh, precious. Oh.
2: seated this morning. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us. I'm Pastor Matt. It's my great privilege to be able to bring the word to you today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to the very end of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Today we're going to be reading verse 44 and following as our passage. Uh, For those of you who may be new to Victory Life in the last uh, week or couple of weeks, we have been doing a series called On the Rock, Hope and stability awaits, and of course we've been referencing the passage where Jesus talks about the wise one building their house on the rock, which is the words of Jesus Christ. In the fall we talked about prayer, we talked about worship, and now we've been talking about scripture, we've been talking about the Bible being a strong foundation as it reflects who Jesus is and what he's all about. We're going to continue in that vein this morning. I was thinking back this week to a very special time in my life, high school graduation. High school graduation. Can you remember the day you graduated from high school? Yeah, we went out to Blossom, which I thought was pretty cool. Blossom was a pretty nice nice place to have a graduation ceremony, but I got to be honest, it was a pretty boring day. There were a lot of names to be called, a lot of things to happen in the midst of that, a lot of speeches to be given. I just wanted to go hang out with my friends afterwards, but there was a moment of pride Because I had a couple of pins. Did anybody get pins for various things they were in when they graduated from high school? I had some pins for being in some musical groups. And I also wore proudly my National Honor Society pin. Wore that proudly. In fact, I had a few people walk up to me that night and go, Oh, Skiff, I didn't know you were in National Honor Society. I said, Well, Yeah. And I have to be honest with you, I was kind of surprised I got a National Honor Society pin, because while I'd been selected, I'd never attended a meeting. But I wore the pin with pride anyways, because technically, I was in National Honor Society. You say, do you have something against National Honor Society? Why didn't you go to the meeting? No, I had nothing against National Honor Society, but they met before school. Listen, I was rolling in at 7.55 every morning for 8 a.m. first period. There was no way... I was going to class, uh, we have donuts and coffee. So? I'm sleeping until 7.25, thinking about showering, and then showing up to school. I was not going to go to National. So technically, I don't know how I received a pin to this day. Technically, I was in National Honor Society, but I I really wasn't in National Honor Society. Hopefully, none of you are sitting here in church this morning thinking, well, technically, I'm a Christian. Right. Hopefully none of you are here this morning going, you know, I, I, I'm in this whole thing, but I'm not quite sure if I'm really in this whole thing. And I think if I were to begin to ask you maybe a series of questions, we could really establish your Christianity. If I were to say, what makes you a Christian? I think that you would probably at some level start with the person of Jesus, right? You'd say something about I'm a follower of Jesus or Jesus has saved me or Jesus has come into my heart. And you would talk about the Lord. You would also, if I were to question you, if I said, well, why do you serve Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? What do you mean, Jesus come to our heart? You would then probably surface something having to do with the gospel message. Well, he's died for my sins. He's the son of God. Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus did incredible things for us. Jesus rose from the dead. You would probably surface some of the gospel message. And then if I ask you, okay, so you're a Christian because of Jesus, and Jesus has done this gospel thing for you, what do you do as a Christian? Now, now you might have come up with a number of different answers there, right? It, it, it might, well, I go to church, and well, I'm supposed to love other Christians. But if I were to press you, and press you, and press you, I think that we could probably get you to the point where you're like, "Well, my job as a Christian is to is to help make other Christians." You'd probably get to the mission. So you get to Jesus, and you'd get to the you'd get to the message, and you'd get to the mission. But then some of you would probably surface too. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? What do you do as a Christian? You may just surface the idea of the Holy Spirit. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in your heart now because you've accepted Christ. The fact that that he determines that which you do in the places that you go. So if I were to press you and ask you a lot of questions about what it means to not technically be a Christian, but to be a Christian, you would probably surface things having to do with Jesus, the gospel, our mission, and the Holy Spirit on some level. Interestingly enough, as Jesus begins to define his church and define his people, and talk to them about what's most important, he surfaces these four things in Luke chapter 24. He surfaces Jesus, he surfaces the mission, he surfaces the message, and he surfaces the Holy Spirit. He talks about the four things that make us not technically Christian, but truly followers of Christ. But there is a link, there is a connection point. There is something that brings Jesus, the message, the mission, and the Holy Spirit together, and Jesus is going to define it for us. And if we can find that link, we can begin to bring definition and clarity to our faith in Christ Jesus, and perhaps accomplish more than we're accomplishing today. Let's look down at the words of Jesus as he appeared to his disciples Post the resurrection. So, this is the appearance of Jesus to his disciples after he has died and risen again. Verse 44 of Luke chapter 24 and following. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Look at verse 45. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, "'Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are all witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But you stay until the city, until you are clothed with power from on high.'" Jesus is giving the marching orders to his disciples to create the church. And as he begins to give these marching orders, he begins to make things come alive for them, bring things together, find a link, a connection piece that's going to take all the disparate parts of their understanding and bring them together in such a way that they will understand who he is, what he did, what they're to do, and how the Holy Spirit moves in And makes all of this happen. And he does all of this defining through the lens of Scripture. Verse 45, he opened their minds to the Scripture. Now, I want to make it clear in verse 44, Jesus had also brought great authority to his words. He said, I I really called my shot while I was with you that this is what had to happen. You ever call your shot in the game of horse? I know I have. We're going to do a hook shot with the left hand. Here it comes, right over the backboard. You call your shot, but you don't quite make your shot. Jesus had called his shot multiple times. He had said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. My words have authority because I'm able to call the left-handed hook and make it. All right? So Jesus is bringing authority to his words. That, of course, is the basis for the New Testament. The words of Jesus and the things that Jesus did and the things that Jesus taught, that's our New Testament. But Jesus is connecting who he is. And how we understand him, to the scriptures of the Old Testament as well. Jesus is connected to the scriptures. Look at what he says in verse 44. These are the words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything that's in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The way to understand me, my disciples, the way to understand me, my followers, the way to understand what I have done, my message, my mission, is informed by what God has already said in his word. You want to understand me, boys and gals? You need to look into the Scripture. This is the way to understand me. Now, Paul had said as much four weeks ago. Not four weeks ago, 2,000 years ago, but we talked about it four weeks ago, right? Timothy, you know everything you know about salvation from the Scriptures. Of course, Timothy had only read the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? Peter said the same thing, that that, that no prophecy of Scripture is carried on by 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 the prophet's own interpretation, Peter made it clear that the Old Testament speaks to the fact of who Jesus is and what he's done. Now, Jesus is making the exact same point. If you want to understand me, my disciples and my followers, look to the word of God. He had said this earlier in his ministry in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. He had looked at the Jewish people and he said, Listen, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness to me. Me. The Old Testament is about me, says Jesus. He even goes on to say in verse 44 of John chapter 5, If you believed Moses, then you'd believe me. But you must not believe Moses because you don't believe me. Jesus is trying to connect himself to the scriptures. You say, all right, Pastor Matt, why is that important? Why is it important that Jesus defines himself by the word of God? Because you and I claim him to be our ultimate identity and authority. That's why. When it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to saying, I am a Christian, the, the very primal idea, the very very first idea is that we belong to Jesus. So how we identify Jesus and how we understand Jesus is paramount to who we are. How do you know that the vision you have of the Lord Jesus in your mind's eye, is correct. How do you know that the Jesus that you suppose to be living in your heart is truly the Jesus that is ultimately the Son of God, the one who is waiting to return, and the one who has died for your sins and resurrected from the dead? Because we as human beings can certainly have selective memory. We can certainly have selective heart attitude. And it's very possible that we can create a Jesus of our own making if we don't understand the Lord Jesus through the words of Scripture. It's a dangerous thing. It's a powerful tool. You hear it all the time throughout culture that Jesus would be for something or that Jesus would be against something. Once again, how do you know? Have you searched the Scriptures? Have you seen the heart of God? Have you understood what Jesus has done? Do you know what Jesus said? Sometimes I read the Gospels, and I think, ooh, Jesus, man, that's rough. I can't imagine the Jesus I know saying that. Now, hold on a minute. It's in the Gospels, right? It's something that Jesus has said, something that the Lord Jesus has declared. And we go, ooh, I don't like that. Well, are we going to engage in selective memory? Or are we going to allow Jesus to define himself on his own terms? Jesus says, I will be defined by God's word, my disciples. That's what I'll be defined by. Think about that for just a moment. Not your impressions, not your feelings, not your heart attitudes. He will be defined by the scriptures. He goes on from there. Look at verse 46. It says in verse 46, and he said to them, thus is it written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. So what's he defining now? Not only who he is, but the message, the gospel. We just declared the gospel through communion, did we not? That Jesus died for our sins. That blood, which is the most precious element on earth, can cover sins. And no blood covers sins like the one of the perfect Son of God. We declared the gospel through communion this morning. And we understand our message through the scriptures. Now I want to take it a step further, and I I, I don't want us to go too far... Too far in our understanding because I want to get to the mission in just a minute, but let's talk about the message for a minute. And that, he says in verse 47, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So we have this gospel message, right? That Jesus has died and that he has risen again, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be declared to all nations. So we'll get to the mission in a minute, but let's think about the message. What's the message? Jesus has died for your sins, and Jesus has risen again, and therefore you know that God loves you. Is that what Jesus said? It's not what he said? Now does it say in John chapter 3 verse 16 that God so loved the world, right? Right? So, so love is a huge part of the message. But when he is defining the message of the church and the mission of the church together, he says, listen, I want to open your mind to the scriptures. Do you see verse 45? I want to open your mind to what's in here. I want you to understand what's here. And what's, so, what's of primary importance to this message is that I have died and risen again. And when you go out and preach to people about what they need from me, you need to preach that you must repent and be forgiven of your sins. He defines the message, does he not, through the scriptures. He defines the message through the scriptures. Now, do we know that God is love? Sure. Do we know that God is compassionate and gracious and full of steadfast love? You bet. But Jesus is defining for his disciples what the mission and the message are going to be together. Without the scriptures, we don't understand the problem. We certainly don't understand the plan. Without the scriptures, we don't understand God's nature. And without the scriptures, we don't truly understand our nature. I remember I watched the diary of Anne Frank one time. Anybody ever watch or read the diary of Anne Frank? And and at least in the movie version, there's this moment where Anne is, is still not caught by the Nazis, and, and and either she wrote it in the diary, but of course it's this moment that the that the, the things are supposed to end on a good note, and Anne says something to the effect of and in my heart I know that that, that, that people there's evil people, or people are truly good. And I'm thinking, that is a very nice sentiment, but that's not what the Bible says. The scripture says that there is no one righteous, not even one, and that we as human beings are separated from God by our sin, and that that sin is what causes death in us, both in this life and eternal death, and unless God does something to deliver us from that, there is no hope. That's the message. That's the message that the scriptures give. Not just that you're missing your best life, but that not only are you missing your best life, but you're missing communion with a God who has created you for himself and wants to reconcile you to himself, as Pastor Otto just read. But that reconciliation takes place through repentance and the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer through his death on the cross. That's the message and the mission. But we've got a lot of other messages going on. We've got a lot of other missions going on. But when Jesus is getting his people ready to build his church, this is the message he gives them. And he says, it's all got to be according to the scriptures, the whole thing. Let me open your mind to God's word so that you'll know exactly what you are to say and exactly what you are to do. Of course, this idea of the mission is ingrained in them right at this moment. He says, and you will take this message, starting in Jerusalem, to all nations. When did God decide to save all nations? When did God decide to make this a priority? Did Jesus invent that? Was it always God's plan to save everybody, or was he just interested in Israel in the Old Testament? When did God hatch the plan? Or did Jesus just better the plan? God the Father, he liked Israel, but Jesus, he bettered the plan, right? He was interested in everybody. We could have that understanding if we don't know the scriptures, but it's not a correct understanding. It's been God's purpose and plan since the beginning of time to redeem all of humanity, and that the message would go to all people. And Jesus is saying, now that I have it, now that I've done it, it's time for all of you to go to all the nations. Jesus makes this turn towards a global church, a church where people can be saved throughout the world. And, of course, Jesus goes one step further. He then, as he is explaining the scripture, says, and I want you to know in verse 48 that the Father's promise is coming. Father's promise. What's the Father promised? Well, you actually have to keep reading to find out exactly what the Father promised, but in Joel chapter 3, an Old Testament minor prophet. How would you like to be called a minor prophet instead of a major prophet? I think it's unfair. Poor Joel. Like, no one has ever, like, like I wasn't always senior pastor, but they didn't call me minor pastor, you know. But poor Joel's called a minor prophet. But in in, in, in Joel chapter 3, he explains that there's a day coming when God's going to do something so big, so incredible, to reconcile humanity to himself, that reconciled humans are allowed to be a dwelling place for God's Holy Spirit forever. It's going to be so big and so massive. Okay? What God's going to do through the cross, we find out, is going to allow human beings to be so reconciled to God, so forgiven of their sins, so turned towards God, that the Holy Spirit of God is going to come and live in them and direct their lives forever. The promise of the Father as understood through the scriptures. So Jesus is connected to the scriptures. Our message is connected to the scriptures. Our mission is, is connected to the scriptures. And our spirit from God is connected to the scriptures. It's linked. What makes us Christian, what defines us as a people, according to Jesus, the authority in each Christian's life is the words of God in the scriptures. So could it just be that what defines us as not just technically Christian is not simply Jesus and the mission and the message and the spirit, but the scriptures. Could it not be since, since since the scriptures are connected to Jesus, connected to the message, since the scriptures are connected to the mission and the scriptures are connected to the Holy Spirit, that the way that God intended this to all work was to have something stable and firm and full of definition, and full of clarity, and available for teaching, and convincing, and rebuking, and correcting in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped to do every good work which God prepared for them to do? Could it not be that one of the defining factors of being not technically a Christian, but fully a Christian, is to immerse oneself in the connection and link between all the things that make us Christian? It could be. It might be. It seems to be something that Jesus is focused on. Since he defines everything that we're going to be about by the scriptures. That's a problem for some of us in 21st century Christendom. Because many times our Christianity is reduced to a lot of impressions and feelings. Rather than something that's stable and firm and truthful and authoritative. And I'm concerned as a pastor here in the 21st century that so many Christians are losing themselves because they've lost the connection point. They would still identify as being followers of Christ. They would still identify with portions of the message of the gospel. They would still say that the church has a mission, but for them it would be vaguely defined. And they would vaguely say, yes, the Spirit of God lives in me. But there's nothing that allows them to understand that or interpret his movement within their lives. I see Christians losing themselves for lack of identifying with the scriptures. They don't know the word of God. 500 years ago was the beginning of the Reformation. People were being killed because they were trying to put the Bible in the hands of people in their own language. Burned at the stake for making sure that Christians could read the source for the authority that Jesus has, the source for the for the understanding of their message and the mission and the Holy Spirit. The people were, were, were being burned at the stake so we could have Bibles that we could read. Because that would be a powerful change for the Christian. That would would keep the church from being something that lost itself. That would keep the church from being something that that manipulated people. That would keep the church from going off the rails. That would keep the church from, from losing herself into a mission that really God never gave her. If we could just have Bibles in our language that we could read. I'm afraid that in modern Christianity so often that we have more Bibles on our shelves... than we have minutes in the week to read them. I'm afraid of that. I'm concerned about that. Because Jesus defines everything that makes us Christian. Right here. I'm not making this up. I'm reading it to you from the text. Everything that is Christian. All of the primary factors. Or there's other factors, but everything that is primary. Who he is and his identity what he did, what we're to do, and how we're to be led by the scripture. I'm concerned that Christians are growing cold in their love for Jesus because they don't read about him. I'm concerned that we're growing cold in our love for the gospel because we don't understand the true graceful weight of what God has done with sinful humanity. I'm concerned that the mission of the church sometimes because it becomes something other than saving souls because we don't understand what God has done. And I'm concerned when the Holy Spirit of God can be used as a bludgeon to justify our fleshly actions to others. I'm concerned because we're not going back to the source. We're not putting our feet on solid ground. Saying this is what God has said, and this is how I'll understand Jesus, and this is how I'll understand what he did, and this is how I'll understand what I'm to do, and this is how I'll understand this beautiful connection that I have to God's Holy Spirit. Because when we read the word, when we see what God has done, our relationship will grow with Jesus as we study the scriptures We're going to become more thankful and enamored with what Christ has done for us. There's a reason Pastor Otto read from two or three different passages this morning. Because the beauty and the weight of the gospel is massive. It's incredible. It's meant to inspire awe and gratefulness and thankfulness. But how often are we in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? How often are we in Colossians chapter 1? to allow those things to sink into our spirit and begin to define what it means to be Christian. How often do we walk into church unable to sing a song of praise because there has been no connection to who Jesus is or the weight of the gospel from Sunday to Sunday? We're not enamored with what Christ has done nor the gospel. All we're hoping is to hear something we know from the radio rather than to allow the overflow of our understanding of who Christ is to spawn into praise. And of course, how hard it is to share our life of faith in Jesus with others, unless we are truly connected to just what Christ has done. How hard it is to look at a friend or a family member and say, It's time to repent and turn towards God. It's time. Jesus has done enough that your life can be changed forever if you just turn towards him and let him heal you. Would you? How hard to give that message if we're divorced from it all the time. And how hard it is to be led by the Holy Spirit of Christ without truly understanding what he is to do in us. Scripture is the connection. We're to be known as the people of the word. I don't want to technically be a Christian. I don't want my understanding of Jesus to simply be what I think or feel. I don't want the mission of our church to become something other than what Jesus has declared in his word. I don't want our message to be one that's cozy. When our God in heaven is desirous that we preach the full gospel that people might know just what he has done for them. And I certainly don't want our connection to the spirit to be anything or just the feel-goods, but instead something that brings us life and vitality in the world around us. Because that's what the scriptures say. That's what we're to be about. And that's why we're focusing here and focusing here and focusing here. I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Matt, you have preached the same message four weeks in a row from four different passages. And I'll say, I know. Because the problem for us as 21st century Christians is more than four weeks old. It's more than four weeks old. We've been journeying further and further away from that which is profitable for teaching, convincing, correcting, and training in righteousness. And further and further into technically... Knowing Jesus. Technically understanding the gospel. Kind of having our mission. And sort of understanding the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. But that wasn't the way we were designed. You say, so, so how many more weeks are you going to preach about how important the Bible is? I don't know. I don't know. I truly don't know. The kids have two more weeks that they're studying the same passages that we are, but but I'm, I'm not, not quite sure. But I want us to get this, folks, because this is going to be how we're defined in the days to come. That's why we have a ton of virtual and in-person life groups right now studying the Bible. It's not too late to join them. Go on the Church Center app. You can join one. That's why we keep giving you QR codes to make it so easy to study the Bible with video Bible studies On right now Media, scan a phone, watch a Bible study. That's why we're doing how to study the Bible video logs that are available on our website today. Pastor Otto looked great this week explaining how we study through the Bible. He looked so good that this weekend we talked to each other over the phone and made sure we coordinated our outfits so we could wear the exact same thing on Sunday. You'll notice when he stands up. We created these video logs just to get us back into the word. As you walk out today, and I need Pete English and Tom Corey to confirm this, they're going to be ESV study Bibles. You say, well, what are those for? Well, maybe you don't have a good study Bible, and maybe you can't make that investment right now. So we made it for you. If you need a good study Bible that can help you understand the word of God, no questions asked, Grab one on your way out the door. Just take one. They're beautiful. Just grab it. It's for you. If we run out, we'll buy more. Because our Lord Jesus said that if we want to understand him, we should study the scriptures. The Lord Jesus said if we want to understand what he did, we should study the scriptures. The Lord Jesus said that our mission is defined by the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit that dwells in us is defined by the scriptures. It's going to bring life and vitality to our faith. Let us study the word together. Let us become people of the book once more. Let the word of God come alive in our hearts and allow it to order our lives, dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Let it judge the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Allow it to become that which God designed it to be, a gift to each one of us that we would no longer be technically Christian, but know that we know our Lord, who he is and what he's asked of us. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, what a gift we have in your word. How clearly your son made this point to us that we are to be people who understand everything through the scriptures. Open our minds as you did the disciples minds all those years ago. May we be a group of Luke twenty four forty five Christians ones for whom the Lord opened our understanding and made it clear all the things that we needed to know. God, I pray if there's anyone in this place today who would recognize that they've been participating in relationship with you on a technicality, that they've been estranged and separated from your word, that if they should need to make a commitment today, they would do it reigniting their passion for the great gift that you've given us and allowing them to study afresh and anew who you are, what you've done, what we're to do, and how we are to be. God, we thank you and we praise you for these things. We honor you. giving us a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us? Those ESV study Bibles are beautiful. I'm thinking about taking one myself. They're great. Grab one. Seriously, if you don't have a good study Bible... And if, if you really are newer to studying the scriptures, check out those video logs. They're going to talk to you on how to use that study Bible to get the most out of it. So uh, if you grab one this morning, great. If we run out, we'll have more next week. But we are so enthusiastic about what it means to be people of the word. We're so glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning, studying from God's word, singing him praises, and remembering his great sacrifice on the cross. What a, what a beautiful morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us to this place today. We thank you for meeting with us. I pray, Lord, that our places of meeting with you would only increase. Speak to us through your word. Each and every day this week, we pray. And dismiss us now with your blessing. Amen. Amen. God bless.